Hey everybody, it's Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. Welcome to The Way, R122 Ministry Live. Glad everybody's here today. Um, the title of the message today is Shepherds, Thieves, Hirelings, and Wolves. And we will touch a little bit on each of those titles as we go through the message today, but especially uh, the most important one, the one we're most familiar with, the title of Shepherd. So I'd like to just get right into today's message. So let's pray and we will do so. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we're able to gather here on Sundays, uh, people from so many different parts of the United States and the world, and our friends from Kenya. And Lord, I just ask that you would give us a time in which we can step out of the world, that we can meditate on your word, fellowship, even at a distance, and commune with you. And Lord, we are going through times that are so trying and so distressing and so concerning for so many and I pray, Lord, that you would just bless us with strength and comfort and peace from your word today, that we would have a, uh, a little greater understanding of you and your ways and the things that we are to be careful of and to watch out for in this world as we strive to follow the narrow path and to walk with you. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so again, the title of the message is Shepherds, Thieves, Hirelings, and Wolves. And it's based on John 10, verses 1 through 21, which we're going to go through in detail as we work through this message today. So if you've got your Bibles, what I'd like to do is read John 10, uh, 1 through 21 to get us started. So turn to John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. This is Christ talking through most of this portion or speaking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the shepherd, the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep, hears his, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know, know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So let's look at this section by section. And like so many of the messages that we've been going through lately, it's very applicable to the times in which we live. So if we look at verse 1 here, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And like so many of Christ's teachings and his, and his parables, uh, they're very easy to, easy to visualize. He taught in such a way that we could picture the things that he was trying to, to, to show us through parables that he was using to teach us. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So what we see here is we understand that the robber cannot enter by the door. It is closed to him. And therefore, he must find some other way in which to enter in order to have access to damage the flock and the true shepherd. So there's one door. There's one way through that door. And the robber, because he's that's closed to him, must find another way in. And I want you to think of the sheepfold as the church. The visible church, not necessarily the invisible church. And again, the visible church is uh, the church that the world sees all over the globe professing to be Christian. The invisible church is the true church within the invisible church that is the true body of Christ. So the robber can't enter by the door because it's closed to him. So he needs to find another way to get into the sheepfold. And the robber could be, you could, you could, you could identify the robber here as being those that are false prophets and false teachers, those who possess the spirit of the Antichrist, those who reject the truth and twist and corrupt the gospel, trying to find other ways to salvation, other ways to heaven. You know, it's very, uh, it's commonly known here in America that, you know, someone like Oprah Winfrey says, yeah, Jesus is a, is a way to heaven, but there are many ways to heaven. That right there is a massive heresy. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he eliminates every other option, every other teaching that's contrary to that truth that only resides in the work and person of Jesus Christ in his gospel. But what I want you to notice here is if you picture that robber trying to find another way in, notice his persistent industriousness, the persistent industriousness of the thief and robber. He climbs in by another way. So we see that he doesn't give up easy. 
He's finding a way to get in. And you can picture him as someone who's seeking to corrupt the church, to introduce something contrary to the gospel. And he's doing it through very conniving and sinister and industrious ways. So the question I ask believers along those lines is, does our determination in winning souls match theirs, meaning the robbers and those that are seeking to destroy souls? Does our determination in winning souls match theirs for destroying them? And especially during these times in which we live, there is no place for complacency and apathy in Christianity. The church is under assault from within and without. It's very interesting if you compare the church to what's going on in America right now, there's a lot of similarities. Like I've said before, it's fascinating how so many in the church in leadership positions have made careers out of finding ways to get around what God's word teaches us, to get around the message of the gospel and find something that's more palatable to a worldly taste, to corrupt the word of God and make it more acceptable to those in the world. And in America, we have many in leadership positions that are doing everything they can to try to get around the teaching of the U.S. Constitution and the rights and the protections that the people have under that and trying to corrupt that. So there's a lot of similarity between the two. So we cannot be complacent. What I'm focusing on today is the Christian church and true believers within that church, the true body of Christ, especially during these times of so much challenge and so much attack from within and without in the church, we cannot be complacent and we cannot be apathetic in our walks with Christ. We need to be full of fervency and zeal and full of the Spirit and striving to, to proceed forward in the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ministry of reconciliation. Now let's look at verses 2 and 3. But he who enters by the door, so the robber enters another way. And then it says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So what we hear here is the truth that Christ's sheep hear his voice. Only his sheep will hear his voice, not because They'll hear his voice because their ears have been opened by the Holy Spirit through the message of the gospel. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls his own sheep by name. Now, what I want you to understand here is that this is not a general calling, but a specific personal calling. The Lord calls his own sheep by name. He knows intimately who they are, and he calls true believers by their names, draws them to him. By Through regeneration, the act of being born again by the power, power of the Holy Spirit, those sheep can hear the call of Jesus Christ when he calls their name. Now, the reason I said this is not a general calling, but a specific calling is because when we go out and we preach the gospel, if I go to Kenya and I go to my friend Patrick's church, and many new people come to hear us preach, we will preach to however many people are in that church. And we will offer a general calling through the proclamation of the gospel. 
But those that the Holy Spirit is calling, those who are the Lord's, they will have ears to hear that message that the others don't. And that's what I'm talking about here. Those are Christ's sheep. Those are the ones he's saying, my sheep hear my voice. Now, a common argument from those who reject the doctrines of election and predestination is, why bother preaching the gospel of the Lord if the Lord is going to save his elect anyway? And you hear that quite often. People that reject the, the biblical doctrines of, of election and predestination, they'll say, well, if the Lord is going to save everyone that he came to save anyway, then going and on mission trips, going and proclaiming the gospel to the lost, why does it matter? Because he's going to save those that are his anyway. And you can see their, 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 the logic that they're trying to use in this argument. But if you understand what they're saying from a biblical context and a biblical teaching, you'll realize that it makes no sense biblically. The reason is the Lord calls his sheep, his chosen ones, by opening their ears to hear him calling their name. He calls through the message that we proclaim. He calls his sheep who are wandering and lost in this world. He brings them back to himself through the message that is proclaimed through his ministers. That is how he reaches his own. That's how he uses us to carry out the message of the gospel and to further the work of the kingdom. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So it's so important to understand that the reason that we go preach the gospel and to try to reach souls for Christ is not that we have the message to con the, the, the ability to convert someone, the ability to convince someone to accept Christ, the ability to change someone. We are simply proclaiming that gospel message and the Holy Spirit is going to reach who he intends to reach through the message that we proclaim. There's a picture of this, this beautiful in Acts chapter 8, 26 through 38. And today I'm only putting the main scriptures on the screen simply because I'm using some very long portions of scripture and they don't all fit. So I wanted to keep it simple. So just listen as I read Acts 8, 26 through 38, and we'll see a picture of how the Lord used Philip in a very specific situation to reach a person, one of his sheep that he wanted to reach, and he used Philip to do so. Acts, Acts 8, 26 through 38 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to meet him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away 
from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So we see Philip being used to carry the message of the gospel to one of the sheep that the Holy Spirit was bringing to faith in Christ. So that amplifies the point that I'm trying to make here. Now let's look at John 10 verses 4 and 5. When he has brought out all his own, so he's called his sheep in the sheepfold. He brings them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Notice that the good shepherd leads the sheep out. He leads them out. He does not drive them out. He does not entice or seduce or beg them. He simply calls and they follow. Those who are truly Christ's sheep will be focused on the shepherd and very cautious of strangers. It says a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know his voice. They do not know the voice of strangers. Christ's sheep will be focused on the shepherd and very cautious of strangers. And what we're seeing referred to here is discernment and obedience, discerning the voice of the Lord, discerning anything that's contrary to it, only following the voice of the Lord and the command of the Lord obediently. Discernment is a spiritual sense that all true believers have. I believe that every believer, when we come to Christ, we're a new creation in him, we're blessed with a, I guess you could say, a basic spiritual discernment. He gives us a sense at that point by the Holy Spirit to start sensing what is true and what is false, what is of Christ and what is contrary to Christ. But as we walk with the Lord, as we grow in him, we need to strive to sharpen our discernment and to perfect, perfect it through prayerful study of the word, through fellowship, through communion, and meditating on God's word. So we're blessed with discernment, but we need to strive to strengthen our sense of discernment as we walk with the Lord. And that is very important for the times in which we live. So I posed the question as I was working on this, could this apply to the perseverance or the preservation of the saints? The Holy Spirit guides us and we come to have discernment. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And then in Matthew 24, 11 through, 11 through 13, it says, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because the lawlessness will be, will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So I believe that the, the only way that we can endure is sharpening our discernment and being as obedient as we can be to the Lord. Endurance requires wisdom, strength, courage, maturity, confidence, and discernment. 
If we are to endure, we have to strive to be more and more conformed to the image of Christ because we will not endure if we are tossed about through false teachings, through the pressures of this world, through the trials and the tribulations and the challenges and struggles that we will go through in this life. If our faith is based on our conditions and our circumstances externally, rather than our spiritual health internally in abiding in Christ, we will not be able to endure. So discernment, I believe, is very much tied to our ability to endure. And the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, from a church perspective or a family perspective, the young in Christ need to be protected and nurtured to maturity. They must develop discernment by prayer, study of the word, fellowship, and abiding in the Lord. This is so important for these times in which we live. The, the, the government school system in America, basically, when people ask me, you know, how do they deal with sending their kids to public schools? I just tell them it's it's no longer an option. Christian children have no place in the government school system. They are teaching critical race theory. They are promoting homosexuality and um, uh, gender identity, flexibility, whatever you want to call it. I forget how they term it. They are teaching sin and promoting sin at every opportunity in the government school system. So in order to protect our children, they have to be taken out of that system and placed in an environment where they are saturated and filled with the word of God. And we've got to be praying for our children because they're in a world right now that is so corrupt, especially here in America. It's horrifying. The enemy is smart, subtle, and sinister, and he is a master of lies. And we are seeing the fruit of allowing him to do as he pleases in our country for far too long. Matthew 24, 24 says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So what that verse tells me is, False Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders that are so impressive and so amazing that if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit strengthening us and guiding us, even the elect would be fooled by what's going on. And I think we're very close to those times right now, and especially since we've got such a vast portion of what calls itself the Christian church obsessed with signs and wonders and the spiritual circus. We've got to be very careful these days, folks. If, if things continue as they have for the last year and a half, we will see much of the visible church fall away and conform more and more to the world. I'm talking about since the beginning of the COVID hoax. If things continue as they have since the beginning of that, we will see much of the visible church fall away and conform more and more to the world. And again, when I talk about the visible church, I'm not talking about the true church. I'm talking about what the world sees and identifies as Christian. But we realize that the invisible church is that remnant within the visible church that is true, that is holy, that is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. So we will see more and more corruption in the visible church. Why? It'll be because it's the result of years of neglecting the message of the gospel. I cannot tell you how many people I have spoken with over the last 
I guess, 10 years who have told me that they have been going to Christian churches for maybe 15 or 20 years, they don't understand the gospel or they've never heard the gospel. They don't know the gospel message. I'm not exaggerating. This is very common. There will be a great falling away because the result of most of the modern church being about business rather than the ministry of reconciliation. Christianity, at least in America, is big business. And a lot of people are in it for the wrong reasons. Church mostly has become about business rather than the ministry of reconciliation. And we're going to see that causing great problems. It's already causing problems. We're going to see it more as we move into these uh, more challenging times. It's the result of years of humanism growing in the visible church. We worship man more than we worship God. Churches are filled with programs to please man, programs to help man that are contrary to the word of God and the message of the gospel. Humanism has been creeping in year after year after year after year again until now. The majority of Christians, when you ask them what church is all about, they have no understanding of the proclamation of the gospel, that it's supposed to be a pillar and buttress of the truth. And they don't even know what the truth is that it's referring to in that portion of scripture. But we are told in scripture that a a remnant will endure to the end and be saved. And folks, I know I harp on this a lot, the modern church and the things that are wrong with it, but I'd love to get away from it. There's so many Sundays I would just love to just preach just a flowery, light message that just motivates people and makes them smile. But we are in dire times right now. I was speaking to a a friend of mine the other night, a woman who's been part of our ministry for for quite a few years now, her and her husband, and we were talking about expository preaching, just preaching through a book of the Bible, which I love to do. I've preached through John, Malachi, Ephesians. And I told her it, it would be very difficult for me to do something like that in this age, unless I was broadcasting Uh, and recording my podcast more than once a week, which I just don't have the time to right now. The reason being, there are so many things that have to be addressed. So many things that the church has to be aware of and Christians have to be aware of. That we just don't have, I believe, the luxury to just work through books of, of scripture right now. Maybe I'm wrong, and I know there's many that won't agree with me on that. But I think in times such as these, when there are threats coming at us relentlessly, and evil is being just relentless against not just the church, but against humanity in general, we've got to address the topics at hand. And one of the biggest issues we're facing right now as Christians is a corrupt church that has got to get back to the truth of the gospel. Matthew 24, 10 through 13, I think gives us one of the best pictures of what we're dealing with now. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let's look at John 10, 6 through 9. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find 
pasture. So now notice how Christ identifies himself as the door in verse 9 through which the good shepherd enters, as well as the good shepherd that enters through the door in verses 11 through 14. Why? Because Christ is the only way. He is the only door to salvation, but he is also the only way to salvation through that door. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Christ is a closed door who keeps out the thieves and robbers and those not fit to be admitted to the fold. Christ is a closed door to those who are not his sheep. For the believer called by Christ, he is a door that is swung wide open into the flock of God. He is the door out of condemnation. He is the door of reconciliation with our Father. He is the door of heaven, the door into his eternal kingdom. By faith in him, we come into covenant and communion with God. Look at verse 10. The thief, now we see the, the contrasting verse, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Good and evil, life or death, lies and truth. There is no middle gray area between the two. Christianity is not a gray area. It's black and white. You're either in Christ or outside of Christ. Life is only in Jesus Christ. Life now rejoicing in him and, he, and life eternally rejoicing in his glory. Look at 2 Peter 1.11. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we look forward to and we hope in. Psalm 36, 7 through 9. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. And again, like I've said before, during challenging times and times of confusion, folks, read at least one psalm every day. I highly recommend that. Let's look at John 10, 11 through 13. Again, Christ repeats, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The hired hand and the wolf, two different characters. What is the significance? What is the difference between the two? The wolf could be those who invent false teachings and the hired hand, the ones that lead others into those teachings. The wolf could be Satan, the father of lies, and the hireling, the one who spreads those lies. Hirelings are pastors and leaders who endorse and promote lies and false teachings labeled and marketed as Christian. A church business has hirelings. A church engaged in the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ has shepherds. Very important to know these days. The hireling works for worldly riches and reward with little or no understanding or even interest in the shepherd's duty and no love for the church and the flock. Very common in the modern church. These verses are going to paint vivid 
pictures of what I'm talking about here, comparing a true good shepherd concerned about the body of Christ, concerned about protecting the church, and those hirelings that are concerned about nothing else than just doing a job, getting paid, and don't really care about the church. Isaiah 56, 10 through 11, his watchmen are blind. They all they are all without knowledge. They are, they are all silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough, but they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned their, to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Ezekiel 22, 25 through 28. The conspiracy of her prophets in, in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured human lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. Ezekiel 34, 2-6 Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was, there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Folks, this is why we have to preach and share the gospel and have great concern for the true church. Because this is the condition that the church is in so much today. One of the things that bothers me the most when I go to Kenya and I hear from my friends in Kenya is how many false teachers go there from all over the world just spreading garbage, have no concern for the church, are concerned about nothing more than preaching a false gospel and using it to make money and to lead people astray. And they succeed at it. And it's so maddening. It's one of the biggest reasons I love doing what I do because I love fighting back against these false teachings that are just leading so many people astray. And they're so successful in countries that are struggling and have so many poor people because the people are so downtrodden and so concerned for the, the next meal that they'll listen to anyone who tries to give them just a little bit of hope, whether it's true or false, or tell them that if they do what they're, they're told and believe what they're told, that they will be prosperous. And folks, the, the damage that's being done is just unbelievable. Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve the world and the Lord. 
especially in these times right now. In these times, the shepherds must be aware of and strive to understand how the forces of evil are raising their game to a new level. Their attacks against humanity and the Christian faith are quickly moving from covert to overt. Their lies and the destruction they are causing are so easy to see with just a little effort, and yet so many Christians are being led astray without questioning anything, and the pastors are as well. This is a very severe situation right now. Again, the the friend that I was talking to the other night, she told me about a grave concern she had because her and I both have studied for a very long time now the danger of the COVID vaccines. And if you're not aware of the damage that's being done, you have got to spend some time trying to find the true numbers of deaths and uh, people suffering horrifically because of the damage that's being done from these vaccines. It is so bad. It's worse. From what I can tell, it, the damage that's being done is worse than any vaccine that we've seen. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy that they're still promoting it. And she was very concerned because she knows how dangerous they are. And I'm sorry, folks, if you've taken it or you believe in it, I believe it's gotten to the point where it, it, we can't dance around this anymore. With what I've studied and the things that I've learned about it, I want people to understand how dangerous it is. And again, it's to protect you against a virus with a 99.7% or higher survival rate that has been painted for a year and a half as being the most destructive disease in history. And it's a flu. But the point I want to make, how that ties into this message today is the fact that she was going to a church with thousands of people attending. The pastor of that church got the vaccine. And then he told the church that he got the vaccine. And then those in the church who are aware of the dangers of the vaccine became very concerned because obviously many people sitting there who haven't taken the time to research anything, who are watching the mainstream news, the pastor says, I got the vaccine. They probably assume he knows what he's doing. He wouldn't tell us about it if he didn't know what he was doing. So it's probably safe for us to get it as well. That's dangerous thinking because we're coming into a time like in places like Australia where they are locked in camps if they don't have it. In America, if things don't turn around soon, you won't be able to go into stores without it. You'll lose your job without it. What they're doing to try to get people to accept this vaccine is like nothing we've ever seen before. So this pastor tells his church he got the vaccine. And then when people came forward and spoke to him and said, why did you get it? Do you understand how dangerous it is? You shouldn't have said that and let the whole church know. His reply was that he hadn't really researched it and acted like it wasn't a big deal. Folks, I will tell you, and I've mentioned this before, I have tried to learn who's in control of this world, what forces are driving all this darkness and this evil that we see going on. And I started studying this stuff like 15 years ago. I've never seen anything this sinister and pushed on people this hard. But I want to ask you guys some questions. This is just something I wrote down in my journal last week, one morning when I was studying and researching some of this stuff. In regards to this vaccine, how could something promoted through fear and deception be in line with following Christ? 
you can't argue that it's promoted through fear and deception. You watch the mainstream news and they've been trying to horrify people since March of 2020 or maybe February. Deception. It's proven that the numbers they've put out have been lie after lie after lie. The CDC has changed its reporting methods. They're not, they, they, they've, it was proven that just about every death for quite a while in America was attributed to COVID in some way, if it had, even if it had nothing to do with it. So you cannot tell me that there has not been fear and deception encouraged and promoted through this whole thing. The next question, how could something that the majority believe in be part of the narrow way of Jesus Christ? If the majority of the worldly are going along with this, and we've seen that it's taken a political bent, the left is mostly totally on board, the liberal left who promote abortion and LGBT and critical race theory and all the things that are just terrible in America right now are the ones that are mostly on board with this vaccine thing. If the majority's going along with it, how could it be part of the narrow way of Jesus Christ? And then how could something created by evil people be part of the way of Jesus Christ? If you don't think it's created by evil people, take some time and study the history of the pharmaceutical industry in America and in the world. It is evil. And folks, if you contact me, if you want information on what I'm talking about, I have documentation, not from people pointing fingers. I have documentation from those creating the vaccines, those who created the COVID hoax. I have their own documentation explaining what they have had planned for years. Email me at chad at thewayr122.org, and I'll be glad to send you any PDF files that I can come up with from their own documentation that will help you understand what I'm talking about. It's that severe. But the point I'm making is that pastor was not protecting his flock in doing what he did. And it's gotten to the point where our discernment has to be so sharp that we don't just look at it as identifying false teachings against true teachings, but what is going to be coming at our brothers and sisters in Christ? What's going to be attacking the church on all fronts? Because that's what we see happening right now. Like I said, against humanity and against the church. Now, Christ continues. He says, does not own the sheep. He who flees flees because he is a hired hand because he cares nothing for the sheep or he does not own the sheep. What is he talking about there? If we are in Christ, he is our, we are his. We are his sheep. We are bond servants to Christ. He bought and paid for us through the work that he did at Calvary, through the work that he did on the cross to save us. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says, You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. The under-shepherd's duty. The under-shepherds are the pastors that do the work of professing the gospel. The work of ministry. Look at Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Folks, like I've said before, every Christian is in ministry. But there are some of us who have been called to preach the gospel. 
and to try to help lead people to Christ through the gospel and to help edify and strengthen and do everything we can to help the saints. That is not a light undertaking. It says right here, we will have to give an account. Did we carry out our work to the best of our ability and as close as we can and totally according to God's word in scripture? It's an awesome ob obligation. Acts 20, 28 through 32 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul made it clear that we have to be so concerned with the health and the welfare and the well-being of the church. Let's look at verses 14 through 18. Again, Christ repeats, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, <coughs> excuse me, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. For centuries, sheep had been offered in sacrifice as sin offerings for shepherds. Here, Jesus turns it all around, and as the shepherd, he is sacrificed for the sheep. Through his sacrifice and resurrection, he became the door for our salvation. Hebrews 10, 5 through 10 says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, one and for all, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect shepherd. Regarding verse 16, and he says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. He's preaching predominantly to Jews here, but now he's referring to the Gentiles. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13 says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you, were, that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The true Israel are the true believers of Jews and of Gentiles. Ephesians 3, 6 says, This mystery 
is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In verse 18, Christ said, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus was not a victim. He was not a martyr or a political prisoner slain by the will of the Jews and the Romans. Jesus was a sacrifice, and he was in control of every detail of his trial, torture, and crucifixion. Every detail of it was within his control. Matthew 26, 51 through 54 says, And behold, one of those who were in Jesus, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Christ was saying, you can't stop this. I'm in control of it. John 19, 10 through 11. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you, will have no, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been granted to get, given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me to you over to you has the greater sin. He told Pilate, you're not acting because of what you think you're doing. He was under the control of God. Christ's crucifixion was under the control of the Father. We'll close with John 10, 19 through 21, and then a psalm. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This followed on uh, in chapter 9 where he restored sight to someone who had been blind from birth. And that's what this uh, monologue that Christ gives us here came from. And that's what it closes with. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind only Christ can open the eyes of the blind. Only the Holy Spirit can open the eyes of the spiritually blind to see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's close with Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to hear your word today, to learn of you. Lord, I ask that you would give each of us the strength to endure, the wisdom to have discernment, and that we would stand firm in the faith, proclaim the gospel, and not be swayed by the pressures and the evil 
in the darkness of this world. Please guide us in the coming week, open opportunities for us to share the gospel with others. Please bless those uh, that are suffering, who are ill, and please help open up, help us to serve you with all that we are. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here today, you guys. If you get a chance, visit elephantwalk.net. It's our sponsor company, sponsor website. Uh, If you decide to make a purchase, just just type the way, uh, all lowercase, at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Uh, Proceeds go to help support the ministry and the work that we're doing here and in Kenya. You can find our website at The Way, the letter R122.org. You can subscribe to the podcast at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search for The Way Radio in the search field. You can find us on Rumble at The Way R122. Please consider supporting the ministry, and you can do so at thewayr122.org and just look for the donate page. All right. Thanks again, you guys. God bless. We'll see you next week. Take care.